This is Oklahoma football. All right, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Mainline Podcast on this cold and rainy Thursday night here in Norman, Oklahoma. We're, we've got part of the crew here, myself, Tyler Burton, proud to be joined alongside by Adam Jacquez. Adam, kind of reminiscent of the, the old days, pre-Corbin, uh, just going to be the pair of us. Corbin's spending some time this week with some family, some much-deserved, much much-needed time, so obviously wish the best to them. But uh, no, just back to the, the dominant duo, got the gang back here. Uh, Adam, what's up, man? How are you? Yeah, just the OGs. Uh, so it'll be fun. We'll see where this uh, where this goes. Well, we don't have too much to cover tonight. Not too much is going on uh, re- with regards to OU athletics. But one thing that is going on right now is we finally have a new women's basketball coach uh, here at the University of Oklahoma. None other than Jenny Baranchek out of Drake University, uh, the ninth women's basketball coach uh, here at the University of Oklahoma. Josie announced her earlier this week. And Adam, just kind of what are some early thoughts on what you saw from her and uh, what kind of you're ho- hoping to see and t- towards the direction of this team as we move for- forward with the women's basketball program. The first question I have is how did she stay at Drake so long? <laughs> she absolutely crushed it with her record. Um, she's dominating the Missouri Valley conference. Uh, so I'm just kind of floored at how long she stayed at Drake and how no other programs around the country came calling for her and, and were able to lure her away. So uh, I think it's pretty impressive. I, I'd sit, have to say that you know Castiglione knocked it out of the park with this one as well, uh, getting two coaches for our basketball programs from, from the Missouri Valley Conference. So uh, by all accounts, it sounds pretty exciting. She seems like a really offensive, heavy coach. Um, so it uh, could be some exciting brands of basketball uh, for both men's and women's basketball coming to the LNC. Kind of like what we were talking about with Porter Moser with you know the the energy level. You can tell that he's a high-energy guy. He's going to be a fun person to be around, fun coach to play for. And that's just after listening to, to Jenny talk to the media earlier this week. Kind of got that same vibe from them. But no, you're exactly right. The fact that she was at Drake for almost a decade, the success that she had, six straight, 21 seasons. She was coach of the year in her conference two times. And uh, you know over the last, I think it was over the last eight to nine years, uh, her team was like 109 and 17 in conference play, so that's that's a pretty remarkable feat, no matter what you know level of basketball that you're in. And you know, Adam, kind of what we were talking about, what's kind of been you know um, kind of a down uh, a down part with regarding women's basketball. It's it's the recruiting. It's up in the up in the level of, of players getting better athletes out on the floor. That's something that we kind of were tough on Sherry on over the last three to four years. So having some new blood, a new coach that's coming in, that's excited, eager, wants to prove uh, prove that she can do it. She's going to hit the ground running, and it's going to be interesting to see kind of what her staff looks like and what she's able to do on the recruiting trail. Um, and then honestly, Adam, not too much to touch on really with men's basketball. Alondis Williams, he did enter the transfer portal earlier today, and then a name that I was shocked to see whenever Sooner Scoop reported it earlier was looks like Devion Harmon is in the transfer portal as well. So uh, between Harmon, Brady Manick getting some offers, going elsewhere, um, kind of a tough start for Porter Moser's tenure. Yeah, I think, you know, we kind of all saw this coming as far as uh, players really exercising their new abilities to transfer and move around and with you know Davion Harmon, he's already announced that he's testing the waters, and 
as time has gone on, we've kind of realized he's really just looking for a draft grade and to go through as much of the process as possible and then return to college seems like the um, most likely scenario. But now we're starting to see guys, and I think there was someone else, I don't remember who it was in the country, but someone entered the NBA draft and the transfer portal all at the same time. And now it seems like that's the path Harmon is taking, which I don't know. It seems a little odd to go out and say that right now because it doesn't quite burn bridges with OU, but it definitely leaves a little bit of a sour taste, um, I think, in, in fans' mouths. Maybe it doesn't for for a guy like Porter Moser, but it is odd how that's going to – that process, I guess, is going to take place going forward. Well, for especially, all college athletes. Yeah, and especially given the fact that we heard from Porter Mosier, I mean, less than a week ago, him talking about how he's had multiple really good conversations with Devion Harmon and his family, and all indications kind of pointed towards him coming back and returning to OU for another year. And then obviously he enters the transfer portal today, which, I mean, even though he's, you know, waiting for his NBA draft, he's in the transfer portal, That's by that by no means says that he's not going to be back at OU next year. It's just going to take a little bit more time for that decision to get ironed out. But uh, uh, we obviously want to see Devion Harmon back back in uniform here in Norman next year because uh, that's going to bode well for Porter and the ultimate, ultimately the success that he's going to be able to have in year one. Brady Manick, on the other hand, we talked about it the last couple of weeks, Adam, you know, do is there a realistic chance? Does he come back? Is he going to ultimately go elsewhere? Maybe he does go to a smaller school where he can be a bigger, uh, you know, be, be a big contributor, be the guy. And what we've heard over the past couple of days, Adam, I mean, he's he's got suitors left and right, you know, asking for his services to come join them. So it's going to be interesting to see um, what he does, what decision he makes. Does he go to a North Carolina? Does he go to a big school where he's going to be maybe, you know, maybe a, a role player, somebody that can score you 8, 10, 12 points, you know, play uh, play outside on the wing? Or does he choose to go to a smaller school and try to be the guy, show that he can, you know, score 20, 25 points a game, you know, be the number one option, show that he can play at the next level? Because, I mean, his, his performance over the last couple of years, as much as we love him here in Norman, it hasn't been good enough to to show NBA scouts or scouts overseas, the G League, different things like that, that he can play at a consistent level. So um, Brady Mann is definitely going to be one that I'm watching to see what uh, what his story is going to look like next. Yeah, it's it's interesting to see how many big time conversations he's had with other schools, such as UNC. I, I didn't think that that was a school that would come knocking for Brady Manick. Um, but I think if there's any hope of him coming back to OU, Porter Moser really needs to get another transfer to come in. That's a big man um, that he can really paint the picture to Brady and say, Hey, you're not going to be, you know, banging down in the post as the five all game, every game, uh, because really manic, I think his best path to the NBA, uh, you know, he could go to a UNC, but he, again, like you said, he'll be more of a role player. And so he won't be able to shine nearly as much. Whereas at OU, you know, we can get someone to come in play the center he can play more off ball on the four and be more of that stretch four. And I think that's going to be where he can still be, you know, one of our better players, but really position himself a little bit better uh, to be successful. So I think we need to get something out of the transfer transfer portal here soon if we want to have a hope of keeping Manic around. Yeah, couldn't couldn't agree with you more. Size is definitely something that we're lacking with the overall makeup of this team right now. So Porter Moser, he's got his hands full. Definitely needs to get into that transfer portal. And honestly, you know the uh, the four the four spot or a traditional five man, a true center, 
that's not something that just grows on trees. That's something that's going to be extremely hard to find. And you kind of have to tamper expectations and really think if, if Porter's going to be able to bring somebody in that can contribute in a major way, um, even if he is playing that traditional five spot. So, um, Adam, moving on to some other spring sports here, Norman, obviously men's and women's gymnastics are both uh, competing for national championships this weekend. Shout out to Mark Williams, KJ Kindler, uh, in both of their squads. Hope that they you know do a tremendous job this weekend and bring that gold home for Oklahoma uh, th- this weekend. And, Adam, What's going on with OU baseball? Skip Johnson's crew, they're on the road this week. What's going on with the Sooners on the diamond? Yeah, I felt like they had really kind of lost me uh, about a week and a half ago. <laughs> That's saying now, something too. And now they're like slowly starting to reel me back in. We'll see if it's fool's gold uh, here probably this weekend against Kansas State. Um, but took the series against Kansas last weekend, swept Texas Southern yesterday. And I mean, Tyler Hardman is just having an incredible year uh, offensively. He's, I think, leading the nation in both uh, batting average and number of hits. Uh, he's midseason All-American pretty much anywhere and everywhere you look. So um, hopefully we can put a run together here. It's going to be really tough. We still have to play uh, Texas Tech. We've still got a series against Oklahoma State. And so uh, there's some really tough matchups coming up, but hopefully we can, can make a run and put ourselves in a position to at least make a regional uh, but the pitching still got to improve. We'll see how, how things play out, though. Much like it was with Big 12 basketball, same song, different verse when it comes to Big 12 baseball. Probably the best. You could make an argument it's probably the best conference in college baseball. The SEC might have something to say about that, but Big 12, um, is there is no shortage of talent and elite teams whenever it comes to college baseball in, in this part of the country. And that leads us, Adam, speaking of Big 12 matchups, we've got a pretty good one this upcoming weekend at Marita Hines Field. OU softball, 30-0 and on the year. Patty Gasso's squad is going to be hosting the Texas Longhorns, number seven ranked team in the country. Adam, we've talked about it over the last, I guess basically over the last month, is are we finally going to see a team take the field against Oklahoma is a team that can match up with them, a team that can test them, a team that can, you know, challenge them, especially from an offensive standpoint. Oh, you really, I don't think has seen an elite, uh, an elite level pitcher like what they're going to see against Texas over the next three days. So I'm very interested to see uh, what Patty Gasso squad is going to be able to do against kind of a superior, uh, and a more elite level talent from top to bottom on that squad. So, um, on two of those three games are going to be on national television and ESPN. So excited about that. Wake me up when May ends <laughs> is the motto <laughs> that I have with softball right now. Uh, just get me to June uh, when the World Series is is taking place. I'm I'm confident we'll be there. Um, that's when things really get interesting for me. But yeah, I'll I'll, I'll be tuning in to see a little bit of, of what we got against Texas. And um, you know, I'll be disappointed if we don't sweep. Honestly. I mean, yeah, obviously yeah. we're undefeated, so uh, yeah, that would be a huge disappointment. Yeah, and uh, and if we are going to sweep anybody in a in a top ten matchup, what better than the than those fine folks down in Austin? So you had a pretty good topic um, that you came up with for this weekend, Adam. Obviously, not having the full crew, we kind of wanted to incorporate some college football talk, and I thought you kind of came up with something really good here. So what do you got? Yeah, we're we're doing it like the stock market, buy or sell. So. Um, I'll throw out a few topics here. Uh, we'll start, you know, a little bit more centered around OU football uh, for now. So the first one I've got on the list is uh, Mario Williams, a guy that we've heard a lot about making a big impact in the spring so far. Um, are you buying or selling that he will get 25 or more catches this season? Can I only buy, can I only click the buy button one time 
on this one, or can I buy all the Mario Williams stock that I can possibly get? No, of course, <laughs> I'm buying it with this. I know from a depth per- perception, um, the the wide receiving room, there's so much talent on this field. You know, Marvin Mims, Jane Hazelwood's back, Trayden Bridges, he's ready to go. Theo Weiss, we'll kind of get to him in a minute, is kind of the um, you know, kind of the f- forgotten about kid in that wide receiver room. And then we all know about, you know, Cody Jackson and you get to Mar- Mario Williams and he's just a guy that coaches have been raving about. I mean, practice after practice, he's making plays, he's consistent, he's picking up the offense and really starting to understand this Lincoln Riley offensive system. So him and Marvin Mims being those true deep threat guys, I think that it might be tough for Mario Williams to, you know, maybe get 25 catches, but He's too good of an athlete, and we've heard too many good things about him for not to get his chances, especially early on. So 25 catches over a full season, yeah, I'm, I'm buying that. So give, give me the over on that for sure. I think I probably put that a little bit low. With this team, we're expecting them to play at minimum 14 games, but most likely 15 games uh, in a national championship scenario. So um, that's under two catches a game. I'll give that the over on that, so, so I'll buy that. But – I am tempering my, my expectations a little bit. I could see it being a situation where Mario starts off the year getting four or five catches a game and then kind of hits a freshman wall and fades into the background as uh, the rotation gets a little bit tighter. Uh, so, Or I could see the reverse where it takes him a little while to get going, and then by the end of the year, he's, he's a major factor. Uh, but, um, but I think he can hit the 25. So uh, next on list, staying in the wide receiver room, Theo Weiss transfers after this season you buying or selling this one's a a hard thing for me i mean he's a five star i mean there should be absolutely no reason why why he's you know not finishing out his career here in oklahoma but when you start to look at the just the amount of talent in that position that lincoln riley and dennis simmons i mean i don't think dennis simmons gets enough appreciation for the job that he does not only when developing talent once they get on campus but continuing to bring in these high level guys i mean I just talked about Adam how you know how deep and how talented the wide receiving room is, and then you look at the class of 2022: Jordan Hudson, Talon Shetron, Luther Burden, three of probably the top ten wide receivers in the entire country in the class of 2022. Three guys that you know ultimately chances are probably pretty good. Those are going to be three five-star wide receivers um, that that come out of that class and step foot here in Norman. So um, talent, the talent's coming in right behind it. The ta- it's already pretty rich here in Oklahoma. So I think unless he has um, a pretty productive year, he gets his catches, gets his touches, um, makes some plays. I think that he could be probably one of that trio that we saw within the class of 2019, that you could be looking at him, maybe trying to find another home after this year. But obviously that's all speculation at this point. So I'm going to sell it for right now, but if there's anybody between Theo Weiss, Trajan Bridges and Jaden Hazelwood that I think could be looking for another place next year, it might be Theo Weiss. It's interesting because out of that trio of, of Weiss and Trajan Bridges and Jaden Hazelwood, Weiss is the guy that we've seen the most uh, on the field. But he's probably the one that people are least excited about. And he's done some okay things, some good things on the field. He hasn't been, you know, complete trash or anything. He's been solid. But he hasn't completely wowed either, in my opinion. He only averaged 48 yards receiving per game last year. And we desperately needed some guys to step up. And he was he was kind of there, but he really didn't solidify himself as the go-to guy. Um, so I'm curious to see, you know, if other guys are going to pass him up. You know, I think Marvin Mims has already passed him. I think, you know, if you ask around the street, Stogner's passed him. 
Mario Williams is coming on strong. Uh, Hazelwood and Bridges are, are going to be right there. So, um, and we haven't heard much buzz around Weiss. I think the most we've heard is maybe Gabe Eichard on his podcast saying, um, you know, that he's consistent, which to me, I, I don't think is the greatest thing you can say about a guy as he's consistent. That means he's not really flashing or wowing you. So all that to be said, I'm going to buy on the, on the transfer. I think there's just too many mouths to feed. I think he'll look for somewhere where he can shine and show his abilities a little bit more. And it wouldn't completely shock me either if he transfers even before the start of this year. You know what you're going to get with Marvin Mims. I think he's poised to take another huge step. Obviously, Austin Stogner, Braden Willis at that H-back position, they're going to get their touches as well. And, I mean, honestly, other than Mario Williams, if there's one guy that we've heard, you know, really good things about this 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 spring ball, this spring camp, Adam, it's Trajan Bridges. It seems like every highlight video, he's making a huge catch, an acrobatic play. Um, and like you said, I mean, Theo Weiss, he's played the last two years. We haven't seen very much, hardly if any, of, of Trajan Bridges and and, uh, uh, and Jaden Hazelwood. So those two guys being able to come back, obviously with the other guys to go along with them. If Theo Weiss, I mean, c- consistent's good with me. If he can be the third down safety blanket for Spencer Rattler, kind of like what we saw with OU Texas last year, I mean, I- I'm all for that. But, I mean, he's he's a talented player. Um, and like I said, don't let's not close the book too early on Theo Weiss. Um, but I think one, th- one of the things that's going to um, kind of hurt him a little bit going into this year there's only one football that Spencer Rattler can throw, and there's so many weapons uh, at his disposal. So it's going to be a fun one to watch. Uh, but Spencer Rattler, he is definitely not going to be short on riches, that's for sure. Yeah, I agree. Uh, next on the list, a guy that you're really high on, Key Lawrence, the transfer from Tennessee. Uh, word on the street is that he's been impressing in spring ball. Uh, so are you buying or selling that he will start at the safety position from game one? With Pat Fields not going through spring ball right now, Key Lawrence, he's running with the ones. He's at the other safety position opposite of Delarian Turner-Yell. I think from an athleticism standpoint, he's on a completely different level from Pat Fields. And that's tough to say because P- Pat Fields, I don't think he gets enough credit. I mean, he's he's very, like we said, he's very consistent. We don't hear from him much during the game, which if you're playing the safety position, that's probably a good thing you know, that you're not you know negatively impacting the game. But I think... I'm I'm going to sell this one simply because of the fact that Pat Fields, he's been in the program forever. He was a captain last year. No reason to expect he's not going to be one again this year. I think that game one against Tulane, I still think you see Pat Fields trotting out there at that safety position opposite DTY. But if you're asking me by Texas, by game five, game six, if Key Lawrence has uh, has overtaken him at that starting position, um, I'm I could buy that all day. But for right now, day one, I'm selling that on the star, as him being the starter. Um, but midway through the season, um, I think he's going to be getting a, a significant majority of those reps at that position. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you there. I think it's going to be hard to unseat a Pat Fields, even though he's not going through spring practice right now. Just having the seniority, um, I, I believe he was the team captain last year as well. So yep. he's, he's a pretty respected guy. and. Uh, and there's there's other players that are in the picture here. Uh, Bryson Washington, who's been around for a while. Justin Harrington was here last year. Um, maybe even like a, a Billy Bowman, potentially. There's just so many different other guys there that could potentially be the guy. And Key Lawrence, while he looks muscular and impressive in a uniform, from what we've seen, he's only played one year at Tennessee and had eight tackles last year. So I think he's going to have to prove it on the field first before he can earn that starting role. 
And yeah, so, I completely agree with you. Yep. Uh, let's move over uh, back to the offensive side of the ball with our next one. Uh, Spencer Radler, I believe he was recently listed on, on one of these lists as uh, the best QB in the nation. Are you buying or selling that? Yeah, I'm buying it. And the the list you're referring to, 247 Sports, put out uh, a list of quarterbacks going into the 2021 season, their power rankings, top 10 quarterbacks, and he was number one. And I, uh, I think that they're exactly right. Going into this year, with the talent that's going to be around him, both at the receiver position, the running back. We've heard really good things about OU's running back room right now. DeMarco's doing a really good job with them. Um, I, I know that there are some other really talented quarterbacks, obviously Sam Howell out of North Carolina, DJ Ui Angalalele. I think I butchered that. But at, at Clemson right now, he's going to be really good. Expect him to uh, to take another step this, this year after learning from Trevor Lawrence. And then kind of a quarterback that's kind of flying under the radar is Keaton Slovis out of USC. Um, that's definitely going to be one to keep an eye on. But Adam, if 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 you're asking me, again, I got my crimson color glasses on, but with Lincoln Riley calling plays, him being the quarterback coach going into this year, if I got to put stock in any quarterback, it's definitely Spencer Rattler for, for Oklahoma. So I'm, I'm buying that 100%. Yeah, if I'm looking at this as Rattler versus the field, the field is very tempting to choose here uh, because, like you mentioned, Slovis, uh, Sam Howell, uh, maybe even Graham Mertz from uh, Wisconsin or Sean Clifford from Penn State. Um, there's certainly a lot of guys out there that are, that are really solid players, but uh, I think Rattler is the best of the best. He finished the year so incredibly strong, uh, and as we talked about, he's going to have tons of weapons at receiver. Uh, he's going to have some great uh, compliments at running backs. So – uh, I think he's going to prove himself this year as the best in the nation. I think there's a little bit of a gap, maybe in between one and two. I mean, Sam Howell, he, you know, he's, you know, he's getting close to, you know, he's chomping on Spencer Rattler's footsteps. But when you look really at North Carolina, I mean, Sam Howell, he he lost both his his two best running backs. He lost one of his receivers, another offensive lineman. I mean, skill production like that. Obviously, Mac's been recruiting extremely well the last year or two. So it seems like the talent could be there, but it's young, it's inexperienced. So just based on again, I'm going to take Lincoln Riley in consideration and the weapons around the quarterback. I like Spencer Rattler's situation going into 2021 a little bit better than some of the other ones around the around the country. And uh, there's also the unknown factors too, like who's going to be the next Mac Jones that's just waiting for their opportunity or the next Joe Burrow or Kyle Trask that has played, but is going to take that huge leap. So there's, there's going to be some guys flying way under the radar right now that we're going to be talking about six months from now, Duggan. Uh, but uh, maybe Duggan, <laughs> maybe Spencer Sanders. We'll see. Um, but well, he, he is Spencer Sanders. <laughs> he is going against the best defense in the big 12. Yeah, as, so uh, I, as we found I, out yesterday, iron sharpens iron, as they say. Yeah. Um, but uh, with all the expectations that we have around uh, Spencer Rattler and the rest of this offense, um, uh, this is another interesting one. You know, will this offense be remembered on the same type of tier as the 2017 Baker Mayfield offense and the 2018 Kyler Murray offense? And if we're going to play for a national championship, which is certainly our expectation. You'd, you'd like to think that this offense will be in that same type of category. Are you buying or selling? I'm going to sell it simply because I don't know what I'm going to get out of the offensive line. Though that 2017, that 2018 team, you could, I think you could make the argument that those were probably two out of the best, what, maybe top five offensive lines OU's had the entire history of this football program. So 
not knowing what I'm going to be getting from the offensive line this year, that kind of makes me a little, little bit hesitant. So I'm going to sell it at this point. But OU's offense going into this year, they don't have to be as good as they were in 2017 or 18 to win a national championship. Just because of the simple fact that the defense, they are miles ahead of where they were just four years ago with what the job that Alex Grinch has done in year three. I would I would really expect this team to take another step going into this season. So if you if you ask me right now, I'm going to sell this, but if you could tell me that this offensive line is going to be just as good as what we saw three, four years ago, then yeah, I'm buying that all day. So we'll, we'll see what Bill Beanbow's group uh, t- turns out, what the starting five does. And that's another one kind of like what we talked about with, with Key Lawrence, Adam, is you know, the the starting five that we're going to see week one against Tulane might not be what we're going to see come come Cotton Bowl uh, in October. Um, but again, the the overall success of this team, uh, especially on the offensive side of the football, uh, it, it's predicated upon the performance of that offensive line. So I'm selling it for right now, but I'm expecting a lot of good things from Beanbow's group. I'm also going to sell. I think the dynamic of them and the makeup of this team is going to be so different from the 17 and 18 teams because of the defense. So the pace of play is going to be totally different. Uh, the need to, you know, win a shootout is going to be basically non-existent. I think maybe Iowa state could keep up with us in a shootout. Other than that on the schedule, I'm not sure who's going to be able to score enough to, to force our offense to go into its highest gear possible uh, in conference. You might be able to say Texas just simply because of the fact that they've got B. John Robinson, best running back in the country. So Texas might be one on the outside looking in, especially if Steve Sarkeesian can get that quarterback position sorted out by week four, week five, whenever that game is. Um, but yeah, and, and looking back, you know, just, just sitting here kind of thinking about what we had in 2017. I mean, the the amount of talent that was on that offense. I mean, there was a point in time I can remember looking out in the Rose Bowl. I mean, you had you had Baker Mayfield, you had Dimitri Flowers, you've got you've got all five of those offensive linemen that are in the NFL now. You know, Mark Andrews, C.D. Lamb, Hollywood Browns out there on the field, and just the amount of talent that was on that on that football team back in 2017, and even even a fast forward year 2018 with Kyler Murray, who virtually had the same offense with the exception of a few. The talents there, the talents here in Norman, uh, but again, it's it's unproven, and they don't have to be as good as they were three or four years ago because of uh, how good the defense is expected to be. And if they just play as well as they did last year, if the offense takes a step forward, oh, he's going to find themselves in a cha- with a uh, chance to win a national championship this year. Yeah, I agree. Now, one of the pieces that we won't have on the team this year is Chandler Morris because uh, he has transferred to TCU and. Everyone knows the storyline. Lincoln Riley is, as of this moment, blocking that transfer, so he'll have to sit out this year. Um, but there is quite a bit of pressure. So are you buying or selling that Chandler Morris will be eligible by week one to play for TCU? I'm selling it. Um, this is a PR nightmare for Lincoln Riley in Oklahoma, but I think Lincoln, if there's one thing that we know, he's going to stick to his guns on this one. I mean, he's kind of laid out his thought process on this from the very beginning. Um, he's kind of explained the, the differences and what we saw with Austin Kendall last year while he was, why he was released. And now like what we're seeing with Chandler Morris, who was a true freshman last year, came in, learned the system, knew the rules going transferring inter interconference. So him going to TCU, um, while there is some changes being made within the NCAA, I don't think I'm, I'm selling the idea that Lincoln's going to clear him prior to week one. I think that he probably should just from a PR standpoint. But I think he's going to stick to his guns, and I don't know if Chandler Morris will be eligible by week one. So sell for me. I'm going to buy, and 
I don't necessarily think Lincoln Riley is going to change his tune, but I am curious to see if the decision is out of his hands at that point, because the big 12 has voted to eliminate that rule. Um, so I know I'm putting a lot of trust and confidence in the big 12 to get together and make changes, which is a very, you know, uh, atypical thing for an organization at the college level to move that fast. But um, I'm going to buy, I think it'll be out of Lincoln's hands. So uh, sticking with other quarterbacks in the state of Texas, we've heard recently that Casey Thompson has really taking uh, taken a hold of the number one quarterback position so far for spring ball uh, down in Austin at Texas. So uh, do you feel confident that he is going to finish the year as the starter at Texas? For this one, I have absolutely no clue. I have not seen enough of Hudson Card perform. Um, I don't know what they have, obviously. I mean, he was highly, highly touted um, being, you know, such a high level recruit coming out of high schools. We all know, you know, Steve Sarkeesian, he's really a really good offensive mind. He's good at coaching the quarterback position. Um, injuries aside, if Casey Thompson plays as well as, you know, he did, or plays even half as well as he did in the Alamo Bowl last year against Colorado, um, it's going to be pretty tough to get him off the field. So while I don't feel good about it, I'm going to buy that Casey Thompson will uh, will finish the year as the starting quarterback. I think I'm in the same boat as you. I don't feel uh, good about it, but I mean, yeah. I got to go one way. I, I agree with that. I mean, I can't really say that, oh, Casey Thompson's been in the system for a year because <laughs> he hasn't. He hasn't been in the Sarkeesian system. Uh, he's been around a little bit longer than Hudson Card. So maybe he's a little bit more mature and can um, handle the pressures a little bit better. And we've seen some of the things that Casey Thompson has done in the field. It's looked pretty solid in the, you know, the extended outing that he had against Colorado. Granted, it was Colorado, but <laughs> I, I mean, he's got the leg up. So if he can do anything that's halfway decent, he'll hang on to that job. And um, so I will buy that one as well. Uh, a team that has no quarterback questions is, is Iowa State with Brock Purdy. And they recently were ranked number four in ESPN's FPI poll, which there were some odd teams listed on that FPI. So I don't know how much uh, stock I want to put into that poll, but certainly the excitement is off the charts for the team up in Ames. And so, uh, but I mean, they're going to have the target on their back going in from game one this year. So are you buying or selling that they're going to make a repeat trip to the Big 12 championship game in Arlington? Well, Adam, first off, that's first team all Big 12 quarterback, Brock Purdy, up in Ames, Iowa. As far as whether or not they're going to represent the top one or two seeds in Arlington and making a repeat trip to the Big 12 championship, it, it's th this one's hard for me. I'm going to be – I'm high on Iowa State this year simply because of the fact that they returned 19 or 20 starters back from that team last year that, you know, beat OU once and took them to the very end in the Big 12 championship game. But one of the things that kind of gives me a little bit of concern for Iowa State is they are going to be on everybody's radar this year. They're not going to sneak up and beat anybody. I mean, they're going to get everybody's best shot, much like what we talk about with Oklahoma. And you have to wonder if last year, if that was like a Cinderella story, if that was a one-hit wonder where everything just kind of connected for Matt Campbell's team, can they do it again? I think that they are talented enough, the fact that they are going to be returning all of their offensive linemen, with the exception of one, but you're going to have four out of your five big guys up front returning. Charlie Kolar's back. Brees Hall, the leading rusher in the in the, in the country, he's back. Um, and they do get Texas and Oklahoma State 
Um, I think they get them at home, don't they, this year? I think they get them at home, if I'm, if I'm correct. But and then they got to go on the road, obviously, to Norman. So I uh, obviously we'll make our predictions a little bit as, a little bit later as we get closer to the start of spring. But I think you're looking at uh, OU, OU Iowa State uh, two times this year for sure. So I'm buying the Cyclones going back to Arlington. I'm going the other way. I am selling on this one. Uh, love what Matt Campbell's done. Love all the returning production. But looking around the rest of the Big 12, pretty much every team is getting better except for probably Oklahoma State. I think Texas Tech has a little bit more stability at quarterback. I think K-State's going to have uh, you know a little bit easier time on offense with Skylar Thompson coming back. OU's getting better. TCU should be better. Texas will be maybe about the same or, or maybe potentially better. I think West Virginia could be better. So I think it's just going to be a tougher pathway back to Arlington. And so far, we haven't seen a repeat team uh, to play against OU in the Big 12 championship uh, since its return to Arlington there. So I don't know who's going to step up and take their place, but I, in this case, I'm just going to take the field okay. uh, with that one. Yeah. Uh, next, uh, a team that has had no trouble making it to their championship game is Clemson. I think they'll they'll still easily make their championship game there in Charlotte, but uh, are you buying or selling that they will actually take an L in conference play this fall? I'm selling it. Their their schedule's a cupcake. It's a joke. The the I mean, just just looking at it, they obviously you know they've got Georgia week one, but strictly focusing on the ACC schedule. I mean, just going down the list, man. I mean, their their toughest game of the year is Florida State at home. I mean, they avoid Miami in conference play. They avoid North Carolina in conference play. So you're telling me that all they're going to have to do is knock off Georgia Tech, NC State, Boston College, Syracuse, Pitt, Louisville, UConn, and Wake Forest. I know that Trevor Lawrence isn't there anymore. I know that Travis Etienne isn't there anymore. But they are going to be returning 10 starters on the defensive side of the football. DJ's back at quarterback um, after learning under Trevor last year. So while I think that there will be a little bit of a drop-off, especially early on on the offensive side of the football, they're still head and shoulders above everybody else in that in that conference. So um, I'm selling the fact that they're going to lose their first regular season game. Yeah, I, I, I really want in my heart to to buy this, but I think I am going to side with you and, and sell it. I do look at the schedule. And I think Georgia Tech, NC State, Boston College, Florida State, Louisville, uh, Wake Forest—they're all going to be as good or, or better than they were last year, but good enough to beat Clemson, uh, I'm not going to buy that. So uh, I'm going to have to sell that one. And I do think Clemson could be the most vulnerable that they've been in in several years without Trevor Lawrence. But even what we saw from DJ Uyunglele last year, he was, you know, just as solid and and he'll take a big step, I'm sure, uh, going into this year. So uh, it's going to be tough to, to knock off Clemson. It looks like they're headed for another undefeated year. Now, while I don't think that they're going to lose a regular season conference game, they do have an out-of-conference slate. We're going to throw South Carolina State aside. I mean, there's Jinx in Tulsa Union, Oklahoma, could probably be competitive with South Carolina State. But they play Georgia in Charlotte, and they go on the road to South Carolina. I think they lose one or, one of two of those games, um, most likely probably Georgia. Um, but yeah, I just don't see anybody in that conference touching, especially given the fact that they're they don't have to play Miami or Mac Brown's North Carolina team in the regular season. So um, little old Clemson, they're doing it again. 
Yeah, if Shane Beamer can knock off Clemson in his first year, we will have to send him a gift basket because uh, that will be <laughs> incredible. Absolutely. <laughs> um, speaking of, of other coaches uh, that maybe are not in their first year but could be potentially on the hot seat, uh, Matt Wells at Texas Tech will outlast Gary Patterson at TCU. Buy or sell? Sell, sell, sell. This will be Matt Wells' last year. At, at the at Texas Tech University, I'm surprised that he was not let go prior to the start of this season. There's just not much going on, man. I mean, he's not he's not building any momentum. I mean, he's you know below mediocre. I know that Cliff Kingsbury, you know, didn't really have you know the most successful seasons, but I mean, there was some excitement around that program having Patrick Mahomes at the quarterback. You knew that they were going to put points up. I think that one thing that might give Texas Tech fans a little bit of a, uh, cause for excitement is the fact that they are going to have Oregon's quarterback from last year transferring in. That's going to be your starter day one. He can throw the football. He's a really good athlete. So there's some excitement at the quarterback position in Lubbock, but just looking at their schedule, man, I mean, non-conference isn't bad. Worst, I mean, if you're 2-1, and 3-0 most likely, at Texas, at West Virginia, back-to-back home games against Iowa State and Oklahoma State. Then you've got to go on the road. To, o- to Oklahoma and Baylor. So I still don't know if this is going to be a bowl-eligible team. You're probably looking at a 5-7, and 4-8 and eight type year for Matt Wells, and he's already on the hot seat, and uh, in another performance like that, it's it's not going to give him another uh, another year uh, as a head coach down in, in, uh, in Lubbock, I'm afraid. So I'm selling this. I, I think Gary Patterson is closer to being out than we think. He just had he did, there's no juice in, in what he's going got going on right now and maybe maybe Max Duggan or Chandler Morris kind of save him and, and turn things around a little bit here but I'm starting to wonder if TCU is is beyond what they had been in you know about five years ago when they would come up and win ten games every other year or so but looking at Texas Tech I'm not completely sold on the fact that Matt Wells will be gone after this upcoming season he's got a pretty soft non-conference. Uh, Houston, Stephen F. Austin, Florida International. I think that's very winnable there to go three and zero. Texas, uh, West Virginia, TCU, Kansas, K State. I mean, I think seven and one is realist is is possible. Six and two, you know, is 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 possible. I think it's possible they could do really well in the early part of that schedule. Is it the most likely scenario? No, but it's certainly within the realm of possibility. It's really that back half of the schedule that gets really tough for Texas Tech with an OU and Iowa State and Oklahoma State, Baylor, you know, back-to-back-to-back-to-back. Uh, to back to back to back. So I know Texas Tech hasn't been necessarily as great the last couple of years, but let's remember who they've been trotting out behind center. Uh, you know, Henry Columbi and Jet Duffy. And now you've got a guy in Tyler Shuck from Oregon who's a pretty considerable upgrade there. So I think Texas Tech could start off the year and and at least win some favor in the fans' minds for Matt Wells. Them starting off the year seven and one, six and two. I'm going to take the other side of that. Um, I mean, like you said, it is a favorable non-conference schedule. I, I'm not. I wouldn't be confident in picking them to beat Houston. The fact that it is going to be at NRG Stadium in Houston. I mean, that's that's a coin flip. I mean, Dana Holgerson. I mean, Houston's going to have some talent. Um, whether or not they'll be good at the quarterback position, I don't know. But, I mean, t- you start off conference play with back-to-back road trips in Austin, up in Morgantown, then you got to go come home and play TCU. I mean, you're 
you're looking at potentially, I think three and three to two and four to maybe start things off. I don't know. I don't know, but uh, could be. it could be, I mean, it's a, it's I, a short leash that he's on. Yeah. Right yeah. I agree. And I, I'd say I, I'm saying seven and one, six and two is a possibility based on who they're playing. I mean, some of these games could be toss ups. I don't think it's the most likely again, but it is a possibility. So the path is there for him to potentially be successful if Tyler Shuck is the type of difference maker that he could be. Because I know there's talent at the skill positions at Texas Tech. There's always guys in Lubbock. Um, and I think Matt Wells has really been missing that dynamic type of quarterback that can really make a difference over the last, I guess, basically his entire tenure at Texas Tech. So yeah. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll see. Um, but yeah, I am going to sell just because I think Gary Patterson uh, can basically name <laughs> his retirement date. Yeah. Uh, even though he, I, I don't know, TCU is the type of fan base. They just feel so grateful to be in the Big 12 and grateful that they're relevant and not bad, which can hurt you a little bit because a guy like Gary Patterson can stay too long and, and maybe put that program uh, you know, a little bit behind. We've seen some keep, other guys do that. Keep an eye on TCU this year. Um, that's, that's a sleeper in the Big 12. It could be. We'll see. Um, we'll round it out with this one. Uh, going up to the Big Ten, someone other than Ohio State wins the conference. Buying or selling? This one was the easiest one for me. I'm selling this simply because of the fact, just like what we talk about with Oklahoma, them winning six conference championships in a row. I, I've got to see it. I, I, I'm not going to pick anything else. Ohio State's going to win the Big Ten championship this year. I don't know who's going to be playing quarterback for them, but I don't care. The talent around them is is going to be is going to be outstanding. I mean, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson at the receiver position, they're going to be good at running back. I don't know who it's going to be at the quarterback position, but I trust Ryan Day. Kind of a soft schedule for Ohio State. The, there's really not anybody else in the Big Ten that scares me. Michigan, it's Jim Harbaugh. No expectations for me, even though they're going to be high. Penn State, maybe James Franklin. He kind of needs to have a bounce back year after last season. But, I mean, really looking at their road games at Rutgers, at Indiana. Can Indiana, you know, hit, find, you know, you know, strike lightning uh, two years in a row? I'm not sure. But just looking at their schedule right now, very manageable. And as talented as Ohio State is going to be from top to bottom, there's nobody in that conference that's going to beat them. They might slip up once, but nobody's going to take them out in the conference championship game. Yeah, I agree with that. So I'm going to have to sell on it as well. Looking at last year, Indiana and Northwestern were the – two and second and third best teams in the conference. So that doesn't provide a lot of uh, confidence going forward because I think really if someone else is going to win the conference, it's going to be a Wisconsin, a Michigan, a Penn state, maybe a Michigan state. Yeah. And none of those teams look necessarily poised to, to do that. Penn state should take a you know big leap back uh, from what they had last year. Michigan. I've, I have no trust in Jim Harbaugh, uh, Michigan state and, and Wisconsin. I think, both have some quarterbacks going into this year, but they're really going to have to, you know, take their entire rosters to a new level to really compete with Ohio State. So it doesn't matter who Ohio State rolls out behind center. I'm taking the Buckeyes to, to win that conference again. So Ohio State or the field, you're putting your money on the Buckeyes? Yeah, I think that's a pretty easy one. I am. I am. Yeah. And that, that says a lot about the conference because, you know, very rarely um, are those are those uh, pretty pretty good odds. Um, but no, I'm, I'm completely in agreement with you there. I think Ohio state, I'm gonna have to see it to believe it. Somebody else can, can, can kind of knock, come up there and knock them off that pedestal. So, um, but no, I, I thought that was fantastic. Anything else before we get out of here, dude? 
that's all I got. Let's win awesome. some championships this weekend. Absolutely. Win some championships in the gymnastics world and let's uh let's sweep Kansas State up in Manhattan and Patty Gasso take care of business against the Longhorns. But uh again, forty five minutes, dude. That went by that went by pretty fast. So got the OGs together again. Uh, but no, appreciate. As always, we've we've got a special treat um, coming for for you guys next weekend. There's a lot of Atlanta Brave fans um, in the state of Oklahoma, and we are going to be joined next week. Um, got us got an interview with uh, with one of the pitchers on that staff, for the Atlanta Braves. Kid I grew up with, um, outstanding pitcher. Um, and like I said, cannot wait to share it with you guys. We'll catch up with him early next week. Uh, but again, always appreciate you guys for listening. As always, uh, you can find all of our stuff on Spotify, Apple. Uh, go on Apple, give us a five-star review, like and subscribe. And again, always appreciate you guys for listening. And for myself, Tyler, and Adam Jacquez joining me, we will be right back here next time, uh, next week, another episode of the